Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And then she goes on in verse 3 and she says, Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. You know, not only actions, but also our thoughts are weighed. Certainly our actions are weighed. Those are the obvious things that we do. People can see them, but also our thoughts. What did Jeremiah say in Jeremiah verse 4? O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? From singing your praise How can I ever say enough How amazing is your love How can I keep from shouting your name I know I am loved by the King And it makes my heart want to sing Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Rochester. Our scripture today says, Talk no more so very proudly. Hannah certainly had her rival in mind, but she also saw Penina as a representative of all the proud and arrogant people in the world. Hannah wisely told the proud to talk no more and to let no arrogance come from your mouth. Pride can be expressed in many ways, but it usually is expressed by our words. The best thing that we should do when we hear our own pride in action is to take it to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Now here's Pastor Rob. You keep reading it regardless of what happens. You keep reading it, and the Lord, in his right time, he's going to open things to you. And it may take some time. He's certainly speaking all the time, but there's going to be poignant verses that are going to step out to you. They're going to pop out to you at the right time, but it won't happen if you're not reading. He can do anything. He can speak to you in a dream. You've got to be careful about that. He can speak to you through others if you're not listening to him. He can, use some, he can raise somebody else and come to you and say, you know what, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, And uh, so it behooves us to listen to the Lord. Listen to his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But notice that she can smile at her enemies because her ultimate confidence is in the Lord himself. And this very reference, I believe, is a reference toward Penina, this one who vexed her often, just continually rubbed her nose. You can't have children. Oh, you poor thing. You're not even that attractive. Your husband probably doesn't even look at you in the right, you know, look at you with that sparkle in his eye anymore. But, ah, me, on the other hand, I got everything happening for me. Got children lining up. Sorry, you don't have any. That's so sad. Oh. Vexing her. Vexing her. Making her cry. Making her not even want to eat. Have you been so distressed that you didn't even want to eat? In Psalm 37, what does it say? The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. And notice, the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. In our modern vernacular, what comes around goes around. 
<laughs> One thing that the Lord doesn't like is when people abuse his church. When they say bad things about his beloved bride. If it's not repented of, they are going to have a hard day in the day of judgment. If they are against the church and they die and they go to hell, one day they will stand before they're thrown into the lake of fire at the end in Revelation chapter 20, the eternal destination of all the wicked dead. When they, Before they are sent there, they are brought before the white throne. And can you imagine, the Lord is going to laugh at them. That's, that's, a part, of the God, that's part of God that I don't... I never want, we will never have to see if you're born again. You'll never see that part of him. But there's coming a day for the wicked where he will laugh at them, for he sees that their day is coming. Because at that point, they've already made their decision. They've refused him, and they've spurned his offer of forgiveness and salvation right up to the moment. Then there is no hope for them. Do you understand? That's why now on this earth, the 70 or 80 years that we have is so important. I'm so glad that at least at 24 years of age, somehow, somehow, the miracle of God, he got through to me. But there are other people around me that, you know, older than I am, twice my age. Well, not twice my age. I make them 102, almost. That's not good. I don't think that. But people older than I am that don't know. I've got to tell them. You have to tell them, right? Tell them the truth in love. In Psalm 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth, they set themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against Jehovah, and against his anointed. Remember that, because we're going to come back to that later. Saying this, Let us break their bands in pieces. Let us cast away their cords from us. We want to be independent. We're independent thinkers. We've evolved into this wonderful thing called humanism. We can do this all ourselves. We don't need you, God. I saw this one picture of a woman who was protesting in California recently. And she says, get God out of California. I got it on my phone. She's holding it. Get God out of California. And then another one had a, another gentleman had the satanic symbol on it, and the thing says, "We will never bow. We will never bow." And then it had the Church of Satan on the emblem on it. And I thought to myself, "One day you're going to bow." And you know, I don't say that with a heart of, of anger, because do you know, God loves that person. They're, they're, they're just taken captive completely. But God does not delight in the death of the wicked. It would be great if that man, and hopefully he will come to salvation, and that young woman, may, may both of them come to the Lord, pray for them. God doesn't need to know their names. You know the story. just happened not too long ago, just a few days ago. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. That's a part of God I never want to see. We've experienced his grace and we'll only see his love and grace. Why? Because he did the unthinkable. He took the punishment that you and I deserve upon himself on the cross. Therefore, there's no more judgment that is for you and I. That's the wonderful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He took the punishment that we deserve. We'll never see that ever again. I can promise you that because the word of God tells us that. To me, that's very encouraging. 
But notice in verse 2, we sang it tonight. No one is holy like the Lord. No one is holy, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. He's holy. He's holy and pure in heart and character and motive. And holiness, what is it? It's separation. It's consecration. That's what the word means. It's separate. Separate from something. Separate to something. You and I are consecrated. We are holy to God Because we have been set apart from the world and set apart unto God. Not set apart from the world and then just hanging out here in limbo. That would be even worse. (laughs) To be set apart from the world and then sit there with nothing to do, twiddling our thumbs. What do I do now? No, we're set apart from the world. We're set apart unto Christ. Remember that. You are set apart. You are consecrated. What does the author of Hebrews say concerning Jesus Christ in Hebrews 7.26? For such a high priest was fitting for us, speaking of Christ, who is holy, harmless, undefiled. Isn't that wonderful? He is undefiled. He's perfect in every, every imagination, every character, every category, just 100%, He is a thousand million percent of every single one of the qualities that we waver on day to day. Even with the Spirit of God in us, I'm so inconsistent. Anybody can, can anybody feel the same way? I'm inconsistent. Even with the Spirit of God in me, I feel like I'm like, you know, there are times when the, the agape meter gets up maybe to 70, maybe 80. Maybe if I'm really die to myself, I'm pushing 80. And it's probably much lower than that, I'll be honest. I'm just full of myself. It's probably much less than that. But God says, I can use it. Because the only thing that's hindering is not my spirit. It's you, Rob. It's your old nature. You choose how much of me you want. Do you want all of me or do you want to be half-filled? If you want to be half-filled, I can work with that. It's not the best, but I'll start there. That's why it's important that we are emptied vessels that he can fill daily. Put off these things. Isn't that what Paul said to the Colossians? Put off these things. Fornication, anger, wrath, malice. There's a whole list of ugly things. But then he says, put on this. Put on Christ. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put it on like a garment. Boy, I tell you, if I could think like that and and walk in that reality, everybody around me would be blessed. My wife and my daughter first, foremost. But I'm inconsistent. But he is holy. He's completely separate. And Isaiah, again, the Lord speaking in Isaiah 44, beginning in verse 6, what does he say? Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Who is that? Thus says the Lord, Jehovah, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Jesus Christ. That's who he's speaking of. The Lord of hosts. I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. Wait a minute. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but yet they're one. That's what the Bible tells us, right? That's what we call the Trinity. There's three personages, but yet one God, and there's none beside me. Is God losing his mind, or is he saying that we're all one? One plus one plus one equals three, but one times one times one still equals one. One God, three persons, blessed Trinity Notice, I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. Verse 7 of Isaiah 44. And who can proclaim as I do? I love this. God bragging about who he is. He can brag about himself because it's true. He's the only one who can. Notice, I love this. If this doesn't just get you, it just throttles my heart to hear this. Think of it. He says, who can proclaim as I do? 
Then let him declare it and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. Let them show these things to them. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? He says, indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. And if God doesn't know of anyone, guess what? Nada. No other God. There's no one else in the universe who can match him for his glory and his love and his grace. Even Satan, whom the Mormons think that they're, he's a half-brother of Jesus or something strange and aberrant like that, the Bible says that Satan is a created being. He's nowhere equal to God. He is not omnipotent. He is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. There is only one being in the universe who holds all those three attributes so wonderfully, and that's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. No one else. One God. I love what it says in Isaiah 45. God speaking to Cyrus. Remember, he was the king of the, the Medes and the Persians. A couple hundred years before he was born, Isaiah prophesied. God spoke to Isaiah and says, write this name down because he hasn't, come to, he hasn't even been born yet, not for another 150 or 200 years yet. But I want you, I got a message for him. Here's the message. I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, Cyrus, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. He writes, and there's more to it, but he writes this letter to Cyrus way before he's born. How's that for prophecy? Is there any devil that can do that? Nope, because they're not omniscient. Only God is omniscient. They have a good handle on the past, but they cannot tell the future. And no one is holy, neither is there any rock like our God. I love that. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, it reads for us, it's called the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. And this is the, actually, I believe this is the first time in Scripture where the word rock is personified in a person. In a person. And this is what it says. The Song of Moses, he said, he is our rock He, God, he is our rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. And that word rock is where we get the the word sewer. That's what it is in in Hebrew, sewer. It is a rock, a boulder, a cliff, a mountain. Kind of reminds me of the dialogue that Jesus had with Peter. Remember that dialogue? In Matthew 16, it's recorded for us in verse 13 that Jesus came out of the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is right there on the border of Lebanon and Israel, which we visit this very place, Caesarea Philippi, when we go to Israel. It's a really interesting place. Jesus is standing there with his disciples, and he asked them, and he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, there's the answer, isn't it? (laughs) Have you thought about that? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? The Son of Man. He gave him the answer. He asked the question, gave him the answer. Are you listening, guys? You know, that's what he's saying to his disciples. And notice, and so they said, "Ah, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. That's literally what it is. When he says Christ, it means Mashiach, Messiah. Remember that. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the Christ. Those three terms are synonymous. Christ, anointed, and Messiah. 
They're all covered by the same Hebrew word, Messiah, or Mashiach, or Mashiach. Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter. In the Greek, you are Petros, the small little rock about that big around. You are Petros. And on this rock, I will build my church. What was the rock that he's referring to? The truth that he just said. That he was the son. He was the Christ, the son of the living God. That is the rock on which Jesus will build his church. That fact alone, because that word rock is Petra. Petros is a small rock about that size. Petra, this rock that I'll build my church upon, this monumental statement that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, that fact alone is huge. You take all the rocks in the world and you pile them up on one side of the earth as it tilters. That's the size of that rock. It's huge. A a cliff, a, a mountain range, a big, huge rock. That is what it is all about. It's all about Jesus. And then she goes on in verse 3, and she says, Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. You know, not only actions, but also our thoughts are weighed. Certainly our actions are weighed. Those are the obvious things that we do. People can see them, but also our thoughts. What did Jeremiah say in Jeremiah verse 4? O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness, that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? Held accountable for evil thoughts. In Matthew 15, verse 19, Jesus said, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. In the Psalms, in Psalm 139, one of my favorite Psalms, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have seen, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. Are you kidding me? You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. He knows what you are going to speak tomorrow at noon. He knows exactly who you're going to be speaking to. He knows exactly the words you're going to choose. He could tell you right now if he so chose. Wouldn't that be a trip? Rob, you're going to be speaking to President Trump tomorrow. Face to face. <laughs> How's that going to happen? And then you wake up and you get a phone call. Probably a wrong phone call. The president wants to meet you. Why? Who am I? Oh, we know you're nobody, but we want to get, uh, you know, we want to get, uh, we're going to have a representative from your area. We'll fly it. We'll come, you just go to the airport. We'll fly it out of D.C. and take you an hour and a half to get there. And there you are. By noon, you're standing there in front of the president in the Oval Office. Nobody knows but God. He's the judge. He's the rewarder of those who work righteousness. And he's also the rewarder of those who work lawlessness. We will be rewarded as Christians, what we have done in the body since we've known Christ. And there are those who have died in rebellion and in their sin. They will stand before God and they will pay They will get a reward for their unrighteousness. And I can't imagine when the book is opened, it says in Revelation 20. And then there are other books that are open. The book of life is opened. 
And then there's, another, there's other books written of the deeds that I've done. Can you imagine the horror of anyone standing? Because if you're standing there at that white throne judgment, you, the, you, you already know what's going to happen. And somebody stands, an unbeliever, can you imagine that? And he opens a book and somehow, he, I'm sure he can communicate everything to the mass of humanity that he resurrects to come to that place. And in one moment, he could reveal it all to them and they would all know everything that's written in that book in an instant. And then he will say, depart from you, I never knew you. He is the judge. But notice, as we look at verses 4 through 9 below, we're going to see a, a comparison, a juxtaposition between those who think they are strong versus those who are weak, or those who are rich and those who are poor. We're going to see that as we go along, this difference between them that Hannah brings in this prayer. Notice what she says, the bows of the mighty are broken. So the mighty men, their bows are broken in half, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. There's your difference. The mighty man, his bows are broken, he can't do anything. And the one who is stumbled and is girded with strength, God is always for the underdog. I love that. He's always for those who don't appear to be anything to the world. In the world, the mantra is might makes right, but not so in the kingdom of God. You can have all the money you want. You can have all of the best toys. You can have all the best weapons as a country. And God looks at it and goes, it's nothing. We're going to see that in the future. I don't know when it's going to happen. We may be raptured before it happens. But in the battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39, all the Arab nations, many of them are going to come against Israel. And they're going to launch everything they've got. And somehow God's going to go, "Mm, I'll just cause the short-circuiting of the wires while they're in flight. Oops! (laughs) Sorry about that. Your uranium's dead. You got a virus in your computer system. That happens a lot. I love it. Can't do anything. If God wants to confuse a nation, boy, is he able. If he wants to confuse anybody, he is able. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What does it say in Zechariah 4, verse 6, another great verse? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If you're, one, if you're a person who thinks might makes right, you got a, you got, we got a lot of learning to do. Because God can do a lot through very little. He's proven it over and over again. And those who, have, who were full, verse 5, have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. It's interesting to me that Hannah makes mention of even the barren has borne seven. Now, she only bore six. But a lot of times, the number seven is used as a means of completion or the the, the very, um, uh, it it just speaks of, of completeness. Perhaps she's mentioning just the fullness of her desire that God has brought to her even though she only had six children. Notice, and she who has many children has become feeble. Maybe as she grew older with Penina in the house, God is prospering now Hannah, and now Penina is starting to diminish. God has a way of equaling the scales. He always does. You may not be as gifted as somebody, but God has blessed you with something else. You may not be as beautiful as somebody else, but your family life is really great. But you're getting a lot of attention. Everybody, all the, all the guys like you. You know, if you're a female and you're gorgeous, all the men like you, but then there's someone who's maybe not as beautiful, but she's got 
a wonderful, fulfilled husband, a husband who loves her dearly, and children who she's raising and doing well. The Lord has a way of just equalizing everything, all these gifts, talents, physical beauty, money. You know, just because people... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.